Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Steve Barber, who is Senior Vice President of Platform at Transplace. And today we're going to talk about 2022 technology trends. So, you know, as we, we begin, you know, 2022 here, it's clear that we're still operating in a very volatile and uncertain, you know, environment. And it's also clear that leveraging technology and network data is more important than ever to, to kind of keep supply chains on, on track, if you will. So how can technology help companies address challenges like tight capacity and in, in kind of the, the freight environment? Um, how is automation helping companies uh, better manage their transportation operations? And what kind of data and insights are logistics uh, decision makers looking for? Well, those are some of the main questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to have Steve on the program to share his insights and advice on this topic. So, Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Always excited to talk to you. And, you know, it's, it's an exciting time in supply chain. So good, good time to be having a talk. Uh, absolutely. I, as, right before we got on, I, I was commenting that it's uh, it's been close to a year since you've been on, on the program. And, and certainly, you know, uh, a lot has changed in, in the program. So kind of before we die you know, in the market. So before we kind of dive into the uh, uh, the topic here of, of technology, let's talk about the current state you know, of the market. You know, again, as we get started here in 2022, it, it almost seems like it's, you know, deja vu all over again, to quote the great, uh, you know, Yogi Berra. You know, that is, are, are companies still facing, you know, the same supply chain challenges and disruptive forces as last year? I think a lot of it is is similar. Um, I think that the, the value is that we're a little more prepared for it this year, right? I think that we had a lot of hope and expectation coming into early 2021 and thinking that we were kind of on the backside of a lot of the pandemic related activities that we were going to see uh, some shifts in, in different areas. And, you know, the, the shifts happened. They just didn't quite happen the way we expected. I mean, unprecedented retail demand, that pinup demand and the stimulus and the other monies that flowed into the industry and into the, into the, mar into the marketplace, uh, fueling retail growth, fueling consumer spending, um, fueling uh, uh, really unprecedented demand uh, and um, chip shortages and uh, driver shortages and port delays and container shortages, um, fueling kind of a, an unprecedented um, supply uh, supply constraint. And so, you know, we're, we're we talk about inflation in our in our pocketbooks and in our personal lives. The inflation that's that's really present in the transportation marketplace, the supply chain. Um, is, has been huge in the last year. We've seen um, you know, double-digit growth in spot market transactions. Uh, we've seen um, increases in ocean charges and ocean availability. The ability to ship freight uh, has just really been constrained. We see a lot of shifts that are happening. We see new um, supplier relationships being built and formed. And then you know, on the technology front, gosh, I mean, I, we thought that two or three years ago that, that we were they were, we, we were hitting some kind of stride in, in expectation around acquisitions and investment and um, technology build. And 2021, it just proved us all wrong, right? I mean, the, the bottom line is that the acquisition marketplace, the investment marketplace, and the amount of money that's flowing into supply chain and technology right now is, it's unbelievable. It's really unreal. So, you know, yeah, I think that we are seeing a lot. 20, early January, particularly with the COVID spike, uh, I think all of us kind of went, oh man, we really thought we were getting past this. Uh, but you know, it's it's uh, it's something everybody was prepared for. As folks transitioned back, maybe to a work from home environment, or were forced into quarantine, or whatever, we knew what to do, and uh, everybody's reacting um, appropriately and continuing kind of business as usual. 
You know, I, I like that because it, it is true. I, I think we're, you know, to kind of use a cliche or whatever, you know, we're a year wiser, if you will. We've got a year of at least a year of experience under our belt now. So even though, yes, I mean, you look at the headlines, you know, beginning of January here, you're seeing, you know, uh, ports being shut down in China and factories in China because of COVID, you know, which we saw, you know, early on in the pandemic as well. But now we kind of uh, understand what the ripple effects are and we understand kind of we, we have more of a better defined playbook on what to do you know, sure. there, if you will. And, you know, your, your point about the, uh, you know, investments and what's happening in technology and what's happening in the uh, logistics service provider world in particular is, uh, you know, it was kind of a highlight of, of 2021 for sure. And obviously Transplace was, was part of that and part of the news making cycle there with, uh, you know, not being part of, uh, you know, Uber Freight. So for sure, um, you know, that has uh, been different for you guys, uh, you know, heading into 2022 now uh, as part of that, uh, part of the Uber Freight umbrella. Um, so, so you talked about a little bit about, you know, you know, what's happening with capacity and, and certainly on the ocean and it's really across all mode, right? C capacity constraints, rising costs, and, and that remains top of mind for a lot of transportation and logistics executives. So kind of to kind of get the conversation started on, a, on the technology front, I mean, how can companies leverage technology to, to address, you know, that tight capacity, rising costs and freight market environment? Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple of key lessons that we're learning and, and kind of seeing over the last several years as we've seen the market turn, right? And we we came out of a relatively soft market into a, a really tight capacity marketplace um, and, and pockets of it, you know, just on fire. Um, one is that that being a part of a of a larger network is important, right? If you're if you're working with the same 10, 20, 50 carriers and, and broker partners that you've always worked with and you haven't adjusted. Um, to start to take advantage of some of the technology that's available to you through a, a network partner, um, you know, the ability to find continuous moves, the ability to match up with, um, with backhauls for dedicated fleets, the ability to tap into capacity on demand as needed through digital platforms and digital networks. Um, you know, connecting through those additional avenues is really important. Um, in addition to, you know, building your carrier base and doing the other things, you know, managing a solid RFP process and, and going to market on a regular basis. Um, the other the other piece that we're seeing is that that ability as you tap into that un, previously unused capacity, um, you're able to manage that process efficiently. Um, so as you look at visibility and the ability to connect into the ELDs or the apps the drivers are using, uh, to be able to track that freight efficiently, to be able to manage the payables process efficiently. We, we see where digital platforms are contributing to success there. So you can, you can more easily than in the past really touch uh, owner operators and small fleets that may have capacity that could service, particularly in your spot marketplace, those needs or low volume lanes that don't fit well or areas where you've had carriers that have, have fallen off of lanes for various reasons. And then finally, we're going to touch on data in a minute, so I won't go deep here, but the ability to, to measure yourself has never been more important. So technologies like um, uh, TMS, um, and you know, that's very self-serving, but I obviously believe in what we do at TransPlace. The ability to see all of your transportation data, not a month. I mean, a, a month seems like a, a, a decade, right? I mean, when you're, when you're talking about managing via payables process, which a lot of shippers still do, uh, if you're looking at data a month later, um, it's it's dead and gone. Uh, the markets are shifting so quickly and changing so fast. So the ability to see in real time, what am I spending? What carriers are, are succeeding? What carriers are failing? Where do I need to make adjustments in my process or in my strategy? 
Do I need to run a mini bid? And then how do I use that data for, um, for benchmarking to figure out, you know, are my practices successful, not just for myself, but against my peers, against the industry? Um, you know, how can we take that data that we have and then use it to compare to that larger network of shippers and carriers? Yeah, great, great points. And I am going to want to dive a little bit deeper on that kind of that data, that insights uh, that uh, and how companies can, can leverage that. But, you know, something you said earlier, I, th I think uh, uh, it's something that I hear from a lot of shippers as well. And, and it's like, you know, historically, it's been difficult to connect that long tail of, of carriers and capacity. Right. And I think what a lot of companies recognize was that, hey, we're there's a lot of capacity out there that for a variety of reasons we haven't tapped into. And part of that reason was it was very inefficient to try to tap into that owner operator that, you know, uh, a small carrier, that regional player, so on and so forth, uh, particularly if they weren't EDI enabled or, uh, uh, right. or or the like. But now, you know, the way technology has um, progressed, not only on the shipper side, but on the carrier side as well, with mobile technologies and platforms and, and APIs and web services and, and the like, um, you know, that access to that uh, uh, long tail of carriers has become, you know, much more uh, accessible, much, much easier. And I think it brings up to the other point, which leads to my next question is, but not only be able to tap into it, but do so in a, in a very efficient way where you're not, you know, have to throw in a lot of labor, you know, in order to be able to tap into capacity. And that's the other thing that I'm hearing a lot from, you know, ex you know, supply chain logistics executives today is that finding labor is just a, a lot, a big challenge for companies today, transportation, warehousing, retail stores, you name it, up and down the supply chain, it, it's, it's a challenge which is really creating demand for different types of, of automation technology. So kind of from your perspective and kind of in the realm that you operate, I mean, how is automation helping companies, you know, better manage their transportation operations? And are, are there certain activities kind of to, to flip it? You know, the, 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 the other side of that coin is, I mean, are there certain activities or, or aspects of decision-making that shouldn't be auto automated? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. The, um, Automation and efficiency uh, have been challenging in the last 12 to 18 months for most shippers uh, and for most, most folks involved in transportation. There's so many exceptions that, um, that finding ways to automate has been um, both critical, but also challenging. So I, I'm really excited about what we're seeing in the API space. Uh, I think that a lot of, of carriers, a lot of the shippers, a lot of the technology providers are starting to see the value of standardization in a connected network and the ability to transact quickly. Um, you know, EDI is uh, a very dated technology. It's got a lot of, um, of inertia and, and the, the challenge of, of moving away from EDI is really about just the number of participants in that, in that standard. But we are starting to see where more data can be made available. It can be on demand rather than a push and store. It can be um, certainly more real time for a lot of shippers as they look at their, at their core infrastructure and figure out how to manage that information uh, to transact and to make requests and to get more and better information. Things like instant rate quotes via an API as opposed to a phone call or email are a huge process improvement, uh, big time save. On the flip side of that, um, you've got to make sure that the instant rate that you're getting is a competitive rate, that it's benchmarked, that you can then have additional data feeds coming in to benchmark that information and ensure that you're paying an appropriate cost. Um, those, can be, those can be challenging and the, and the good providers are figuring out a way to help mitigate those risks for shippers and to give them confidence uh, in the rates that they're getting. Another area that we're seeing huge growth in is an RPA um, and an AI enabled RPA. Um, machine learning and RPA was once kind of a buzzword, but we're starting to see um, real explosive growth with the ability to create um, 
temporary to permanent kind of um, solutions in RPA. So the ability to do things like to create a robot to manage a um, invoice ingestion process or the ability to, to process um, proof of deliveries uh, through an OCR process and a robot combination. Uh, exception management being built in based on those machine learning algorithms for RPA. So a lot of advancements there. Uh, again, a lot of optionality, a lot of partners. Um, really good to tie into somebody that has kind of core systems that are already utilizing those things if it's not something you feel confident building yourself. Um, and, and then finally, the real-time visibility. Uh, I think that we're, we're continuing to see growth in, in, in the connectivity. Uh, we're seeing the explosion of apps and then, and then the consolidation of apps as the digital providers and the ELD providers are starting to, to drive to some common practices. I think that there's still a lot of room to go there. I think Internet of Things has got a lot of promise for the future. I think devices are getting smaller and cheaper. Uh, the connectivity networks with 5G and other options are getting better and better and better. And I think that the next thing on the horizon is probably going to be shippers taking more control and figuring out how to track their items and their packages. Still need to see some cost improvements in the device size and quality there. What shouldn't be automated? Um, you know, it's a great question. The, the biggest ones are the ones that's, that have significant variability uh, and risk from a budgetary standpoint. So there are strategic decision-making processes that I think makes sense for human beings to continue to stay involved in. Data analytics, the RFP process, perhaps decisioning support is automated to kind of point you in the right direction, but ultimately being able to determine um, in, a, in a bid process is a good example. Uh, if I wanna move my, um, my inputs and outputs uh, and adjust them slightly. What, what level of reliance do I want to have on the spot marketplace? It's a little bit like, um, you know, managing your stock portfolio or anything else. Uh, sure, I'm going to have a, a good part of my business is going to be in um, index funds, or, you know, my, of my holdings. But I, I want to make sure that I've got a couple, they've got some active management going on because there's still that, that, you know, percentage or two difference in having a human being that can take a look at some of those processes and make adjustments. You know, a lot of great points. And I'm glad you brought up RPA as a robotic process automation, because, yeah. you know, a lot of people, when they think of automation, you know, particularly in logistics, supply chain world, they think about, you know, the warehouse robots, or they may think about driverless trucks. And certainly those are all things that are happening today. But it's kind of that software side of robo robotics, if you will, that's the RPAs that are having a big impact as well. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of overlook that or don't, don't think about that first when they think about automation. Uh, and then secondly, the last point, you know, we love talking about technology as an industry analyst. I love talking about technology, but I think, you know, as I've talked to more and more people over the past couple of years, you know, something that we've all known for a long time, you know, came to the surface yet again in, in the midst of the pandemic is it says, hey, relationship, relationships matter, right? And that's where humans come in. That's where people come in. And whether it's relationships with your strategic carriers, whether it's relationship with your suppliers, your logistic service providers, you know, that people element, that communication, that hey, something's gone wrong, let's work together to figure this out. Or, hey, there's an opportunity, let's, let's brainstorm, let's come up with some ideas. Um, you know, that's the part that, you know, you, you can't necessarily automate or you don't want to automate because, uh, you know, that's where the human element really, you know, plays the, the, the biggest role. Um, so you, you've brought up benchmarking a couple of times, you kind of mentioned it, and this is really falls in the realm of, of kind of having, you know, the ability to make quote unquote, smarter decisions faster, which is you know, you're more important than ever. And, and that's where having access again to network data and, and analytics comes in, which, which you've mentioned a little bit there. So, so what kind of data exactly and insights are logistics decision makers looking for, you know, today? And, and how do these insights ultimately get translated into action? Yeah. So um, it's a, it's a, 
the amount of data that's available to the, the community today, whether you're a carrier or a shipper, you're a 3PL, logistics service provider, whatever, um, is, is so significantly greater. I mean, it's just, um, you know, multiples, exponential growth in the amount of data that's available. And so you're right, having the tools to, to sort through that information and determine what's important uh, is critical. We're seeing where um, some of the machine learning um, processes that we've developed and that we're working with partners to develop um, can take that data and can make can help with decisioning support in a, in a near automated way, right? We train models, we um, that it learns, you know, what factors are important, and it is able to apply those in a predictive way. And we really think that's where we've got to get to that that um, rear view mirror data is is still important, right? But the rear view has got to be a much narrower focus. And we've really got to get to a place where we're able to make predictions against the data that we're seeing. So when is a market going to shift from, um, from you know, on parity with historical to um, over uh, to, to, uh, to inflationary? Uh, when are we going to start to see some shifts from a, a inflationary market to deflationary market overall in the macro environment? As we're looking at benchmarks, where can we pull data across um, multiple networks to see uh, if, if I am if I'm ahead of or behind that marketplace, am I, um, am I at risk potentially of service problems because I'm underpaying? Uh, am I at risk of, um, of being over budget, right? And blowing out my numbers because I don't have a good process in place to source capacity to market rate. We, we see a lot more shippers talking about buy to market. We see a lot more shippers talking about um, spot averages and seven day rolling and you know all the other information about the spot marketplace and where are we getting the data that we can measure ourselves. And where that really starts to become important um, is in the ability to, to move to different ways of doing business. Um, we're seeing um, in the digital marketplaces with instant rates and with direct connections to those underlying carriers, we're seeing a lot of demand for customers that want to know, am I paying a fair price? Uh, they're losing some of their indicators. Maybe they've been going to auction and that took a lot of time and was really inefficient. So they've automated the process, but they still need some level of confidence that the market price is the price that they're paying or that they're getting a great deal. Um, and then finally, service, um, the ability to manage for retailers, for example, the demands on the retail on the carrier and shipper community for retailers is bigger than it's ever been. Uh, we continue to see pressure for increased on-time service. Uh, the end consumer is driving some of that now. Um, you know, the, the ability for a shipper to deliver direct to a consumer's door and to give them good visibility and predictives of when that's going to deliver um, continues to be front and center in a lot of folks' minds. So the ability to see from the first mile to the final mile and all of the data elements that contribute to a failure or a success in those shipments is critical data to both gather, to analyze, and then to, to action. You know, every time we talk about this topic, you know, uh, it brings to mind Deming's famous quote, right? In God, we trust all others must bring data. And, and I think, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so I think, you know, people that are still operating on, you know, gut feeling or just uh, past experience and, and so forth, um, that can only get you so far. And in fact, you know, this is a very rapidly changing environment. Some of those assumptions um, or past experiences may no longer be valid or, or might lead you in the wrong direction. So, you know, I think that ultimately is a, a lot of companies are recognizing, a lot of professionals are recognizing that, hey, we need, you know, this breadth and depth of data and insights. Uh, and then I think that's where the technology comes in. You mentioned TMS before, um, you know, because ultimately you need to convert that insight into action and, and, and whether that action is automated, as we talked about, or it's, you know, helps inform some decision-making process 
uh, from a human element or a team element standpoint, I think that's where you know a lot, a lot of companies are looking for uh, um, for insights to help them do that. Um, so, Steve, you know, j- just a way to wrap up. Then, uh, you know, the, I think I asked you the same question last year at this time, and uh, it's always difficult to put on the forecasting hat because you know, as we all know, forecasts are almost always wrong. But but what's next? I mean, how how do you see technology continue to change and improve the way companies manage their logistics operations? Yeah, I think that um, that we're we're just on the very at the very beginning of what um, the the visibility and insight into shipment information really means. So I think that as I mentioned before, whether it's through Internet of Things devices, expansion of networks, uh, the ability to really reach out and touch your shipment, so to speak. Uh, in near real time, I think we'll see a lot of continued advancements, and we'll see that from um, origin all the way to destination. You, know, you can look at the automotive manufacturers for a clue about where the rest of the industry is headed sometimes. Um, and yeah, they've been they've been looking at this. Um, we we have um, recently deployed a plan for every part module that was part of an acquisition we made, and you know they're looking at it, it from the from the raw material coming out of a, a mine. Um, to the factory floor and ultimately onto a final vehicle and monitoring every step of that process fairly closely. Uh, I think that we'll start to see that in other industries. We'll start to see um, shippers are, are finding that they're constrained in their ability to produce if they're not managing that inbound process. And we'll see that visibility from, from beginning to end really become critical. Uh, I think we'll continue to see e-commerce explosion. I think um, the, the work from home situation has been um, it's been meaningful for a lot of folks and there's a lot of people that are slow to give it up. And so, you know, whether it's food delivery or package delivery, um, and I think we'll see more and more shift to that. You know, I, you know, I always deal with personal uh, experience and um, I don't, I don't really go into stores a whole lot anymore. Um, we, we sit in the parking lot at stores and pick things up, but we're not going in very often to shop. Um, and I think that we'll continue to see retailers, um, manufacturers, converting to some final mile and some direct delivery. And so, uh, you know, parcel TMSs, parcel rate shopping, parcel uh, consulting experience and final mile delivery partners are gonna become uh, much more advanced and the the speed to value is gonna have to be improved and increased on that as well. Um, And then finally, I like to talk about the cool technology stuff. Um, I'm excited to be part of a company now that's making an investment in autonomous vehicles. It's making an investment in uh, owner operator space. Um, You know, if we can start to figure out how to get the cost of a new truck down to a point that folks can enter the market and potentially get more folks interested in doing this as a career. I think the tools are there that have never been there before. We saw the beginnings of a really explosive growth in owner-operator space last year. And I think we'll continue to see that as, as the, the industry becomes more approachable, right? Whether it's automated, uh, semi-automated vehicles, um, the, the local delivery fleet networks and the technology that's powering those, um, and, and even the digital platforms that are able to connect drivers to shipments profitably and allow them to keep moving, right? That automation becomes really important and critical. So those are, whether that's predictions or not, I don't know. I think most of those are fairly obvious and, and it's just going to be about expanding the way that they're used. Yeah, I mean, my, my takeaway, you know, based on everything you just said right now is that the uh, the future looks bright. I mean, there's, there's continued innovation, continued change. And, and, and this is certainly uh, an area that, uh, you, you know, I always joke that, you know, a lot of people get into supply chain logistics by accident or through a different career path. But once they get in here, they very rarely leave. And part of the reason why is that, yes, there's a lot of sometimes stress and challenges and issues, 
but there's also a lot of excitement and innovation, you know, taking place and technology is certainly one of those areas that continues to offer a lot of, of promise and, and potential. Well, Steve, uh, again, always a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, great uh, insights, great advice, uh, great thoughts here uh, for, for, for our audience to kind of think about and, and take action on. So again, thank you for uh, making the time to be with us today. Really my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have a I, think those of, uh, I want to thank uh, those of you that joined us uh, today. If you've got, uh, uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the TransPlace uh, website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Steve, uh, please post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.